that's where the attachment comes from. We get attached like this is what I need to happen in order for me to be happy. That, that, yeah. That's the essence of it. I need the world yeah. to change or, or I need to get this, whatever it is. Something mm. needs to happen in order for me to be happy. And the irony is being stuck in that way of thinking is actually making you unhappy. If you could just let that's a fact. If you could just let go of that way of thinking, you'd be you'd feel okay. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men, this way. How do you practice letting go? What does letting go even really mean? Can you let go and still take powerful, effective action? What if you're the president of the United States managing and navigating this crazy world? Can you still let go and be president of the United States? Well, in this episode, my guest, the brilliant and wise author, teacher, lecturer, sage, Peter Russell, and I mine these questions and more to help make a meaningful difference in your life. Now, Peter Russell is indeed a wise, wise man. In a world devoid of true elders, Peter is a true elder. Back in the 80s, Peter became renowned for speaking the term the global brain into the cultural zeitgeist of the day with his best-selling book of that name, The Global Brain. In that book, way back in the 1980s, Peter predicted the creation of the internet and the impact it would have on humanity. And I certainly ask him about the state of humanity today. In fact, in today's episode, we talk about the practice of letting go. It's the subject of his new book, Letting Go of Nothing, and it's something I've been in the intentional practice of learning how to do for many, many years, and I still hold on like hell constantly, daily. Right now, there's an airplane flying over, and I can notice a little bit of holding on and stressing and resistance to that airplane flying over, coming through this broadcast. (sighs) So I allow it in, I'm going to let it in, and let it be. And that's something Peter and I talk about on this episode as well. And we talk about what it really means to let go in a world full of things that hook and stress our minds and challenge us daily, like that airplane just did. And I ask Peter perhaps one of the most important questions I've ever asked a guest. If you were president of the USA Today, how would you do your job and still practice letting go? And I love his answer. Stay tuned for it. Peter earned degrees in theoretical physics, psychology, and computer science at the University of Cambridge in England, where he studied for a time with Stephen Hawking. At Cambridge University in the UK, he became increasingly fascinated by the mysteries of the human mind, which led him to travel to India to study meditation and Eastern philosophy. And when he came back, he took up the first research post ever offered in Britain on the psychology of meditation. Peter is indeed an incredible man with a life interestingly lived, and I'm super excited to have Peter on the podcast today, and I'm confident you'll be deeply inspired by our conversation as well. First, before we dive into the episode, I want to tell you about my new Elevate experience for men. Elevate 2022, 
My year-long coaching journey for men committed to thriving in every domain of life is now open for enrollment. I'm only inviting 12 men to go through all of 2022 with me personally on this adventure of a lifetime. Now, who's this for? Well, it's for you if you've achieved some level of success yet still feel unfulfilled, or you're simply seeking a greater level of fulfillment than you now have. This is for you if you're committed to rising above the distractions and compulsions that are sabotaging you from living your fullness as a man. If you're done trying to lone wolf it through life, this is for you. If you're stuck in some critical area, ready for a breakthrough, or you know you need to be challenged and supported by other men to help move you along on the journey of becoming the man you were born to be, this is for you. I mean, essentially, this is for you if you are committed to thriving in every area of your life. If you're a man who knows there is more beauty, more depth, more satisfaction, more fulfillment, more freedom, more truth to be experienced than what you are currently experiencing, Elevate 2022 is for you. It includes personal coaching with me throughout the entire year and alongside a select group of solid men, your soon-to-be brothers, perhaps. We'll go on a deep dive into the insights, distinctions, and practices that allow you to step into your deepest life purpose, create and support a thriving, intimate relationship, tap into real, authentic power to truly serve your life, your loved ones, your professional aspirations, your community, and more. We'll also have an epic in-person experience on a five-day retreat in a beautiful nature location. Through this experience, these men and I will become your brothers for life. You will be challenged to go beyond your comfort zone, and you will be celebrated when you succeed, or even when you fail, but you did the thing you were afraid of doing. Because this experience isn't just about making more money, or having more sex, or achieving more of anything in particular, only to still feel that void that just haunts us men. Now this is about each of us stepping more deeply into our courageously authentic selves and more fully offering our gifts to the world. Now, if this intrigues you, get the details and apply at brianreeves.com slash elevate. It's brian with a Y, reeves.com slash elevate. Now, this isn't for everyone, but if you have an inkling that it might be for you, apply now. Just take the next step. This could be one of the greatest gifts you ever give yourself, the gift of brotherhood with extraordinary men. Go to brianreeves.com slash elevate for details and to apply. Again, Brian with a Y, reeves.com slash elevate. Back to my conversation with Peter Russell. I invite you to take a deep breath and stay present with us all the way through to the end of this episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. Mr. Peter Russell, sir, it is a privilege and an honor to have you on Men This Way. Welcome. Thank you. I'm looking forward to being with you here. Yeah, I've been very much looking forward to this. You have written, I mean, you have such a depth of work and life experience at subjects so close, so at the heart of what I myself personally have been exploring for decades. And so we're going to, I'm so excited to dive in and have this conversation with you, but I, I want to check in with you first. I know you're in Northern California. Yes. Right. 
And you're in uh, Sebastopol? Sebastopol, yes, about an hour north of San Francisco, up in the sort of the wine country area. Very rural, which is lovely. Sebastopol, when I first came to California, uh, I was managing music artists, uh, a music band from Miami. We traveled to Sebastopol, and I, two things happened. I fell in love with California mm-hmm. in Sebastopol because of how beautiful. I had no idea it could be this beautiful. And I had one of the worst allergy attacks of my life. I can, un- I can understand <laughs> both. Yeah. Yes, the allergies here is known for it. I mean, I, I'm usually not susceptible, but I am here. But I just, you know, I, I find a good antihistamine and that works. But it, yeah. it is a beautiful place. And not only is the countryside around beautiful, I'm looking out my window now. It's almost like I'm looking across an area of Tuscany in Italy. Not only that, oh, yeah. is Sebastopol is a small town which has stayed a small town. There's no big strip. There's nothing like that. You know, the main street is little tiny shops, you know, lots of odd things, a music shop. And it's just, and it's, it stayed that way. And it's, I mean, people who come here say, this isn't like America. I mean, it is, of course it is, in many ways it is, but it's like, it's, it's kept that small old town feeling, which is lovely, even though it's, you know, it's quite a popular place. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, and I, I never forget how the, the beauty that I saw. And then within about three hours, my, my face exploded. <laughs> and I had one of the most uncomfortable evenings of my life. But Sebastopol, how have the fires been for you up there? This year has been okay for us. The fires have been up more northwestern up in the Sierras and the smoke has been blowing across eastwards. So only one day did we get a bit of smoke haze. So you know, if we didn't read the news, we wouldn't know. But I mean, it's mm. tragic. I mean, the fires that have happened are absolutely yeah. tragic. Previous years, it's been bad. I mean, we're fairly safe in Sebastopol just because there's so much, you know, out there's trees around, but mostly arable land. So we're fairly safe. But, you know, the fires a couple of years ago were just so intense. The air was like so thick with smoke. You just had to get out. I remember, I think there was about a month or so, a month or two last, last thing, last year, maybe the year before when, when the air, particularly in your area was, it was some of the worst air quality on the planet. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm very eager to explore. I want to talk to you more about that because I know some of your, your seminal work and the work that you're well known for the, the global mind um, for back in the eighties, the I believe. Mm-hmm. I'm very eager to explore the relationship between letting go, the subject of your latest book, and what's happening on the planet right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll dive into that. But but first, I, I'd like to ask you to, to help our listeners get to know you personally a bit more. I'd love to ask you to share with us about a significant event or an experience in your early life that played a fundamental role in shaping you as a man? Right. Um, I can think of a time more than a fundamental, rather than a single event. It was when I was at college, I was at university in Cambridge, and I'd come out of, you know, a British middle-class, you know, rural background, and suddenly I was thrust into a complete mix. All the, it was all male colleges then. Um, there were three different female colleges, but we were, so we were living in all male colleges and with men who were, you know, from all classes, but you know, Cambridge is a lot of, sort of upper class people and, you know, people with 
fancy dignified names and things. And to begin with, I just felt so small with some of these people who seemed to be so worldly and knew everything. And, and then just realizing gradually that was just a game they had. It was just something they put on. Maybe they did know things I didn't know, but it's like, as, as time went on, I, I would think over the first year, that all began to soften and I began to realize people respected me for who I am. And that allowed me, me to come out as a person rather than feeling sort of oppressed by all this wealth and famous names and everything all around me. So it allowed my, my smallness to soften and just like, oh no, here I am, here I am. And I have something to offer and give. And it changed, you know, I started finding I was getting respect from people and people were, mm. were liking me and things. And it's like, yeah. It was, so it was over a period, I would say just a, a year or two when I first got to university that happened. And then, you know, as, as time went on, I, I used to, I found more and more people looking to me and asking me for advice and things. It's like, okay, I really do have something to give mm. here. So I, I, I came out of my sort of smallness, if you like. Mm. So a, a shift from, and I don't know what you call it in, in, in England, I know in, in, in the States we call it high school. What would you call it in Yeah, but it was called grammar school, but it's high school. Yes, it's that shift from high school where I was with I was with peers, you know, in my high school, it was a yeah. local high school, and yeah. everybody there was from the same same class, similar backgrounds, yeah. and then suddenly shifting into a very different social environment. What do you think was a catalyst for you to to I know you're describing there was a there was a I'm hearing like a relational orientation from your your college classmates that allowed you to start coming out of your shell. What what do you think was actually going on for you? What were they what were they responding to in you that in partnership together allowed this a, a new version of Peter to emerge? Mm. I'm pausing because I haven't thought about this in depth before. Um it was to do with it was to do with relationships definitely and it was actually i mean i think it was something to do with male female relationships that happened this isn't quite answering your question but what comes up in terms of what was shifting for me was i felt to begin with i felt very inferior with regard to women it's like you know oh women won't like me i, I i've got to mm -hmm. put up with the you know the, the bottom of the barrel sort of thing and <laughs> that uh -huh. and that shifted, I think, after, you know, with this shift, what went on is like realizing, oh, hang on, there are women who do like mm. me. I've actually got quite a few women who like me, you know, would like to be in a relationship. And so, so that was, that was very much part of it. That's, that's what was happening to me. What were they seeing in me? Obviously, it wasn't great handsomeness or anything. It wasn't that sort of thing. I think, I think I brought a reality to people, just like, an everyday reality to how things are. I, I wasn't putting on airs. That's probably a good way to put it. Yeah. I wasn't putting on airs. Mm. I've never really put on airs that way. And particularly as I felt more confident, I didn't, I didn't need to. But even before that, I wasn't putting on any airs. I think that's what people, and probably men as well, were respecting. I was just, yeah, and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't pushing myself. I, I've never had a strong ego in that way. So I, I wasn't pushing in that way. Well, I, I, you know what, that lands immediately for me because just in the few, and we, I mean, I've, I've been engaging with you now for about 15 minutes. And from the very moment we popped on here, the way I experienced you was immediately accessible. 
immediately. I mean, you have all of this education, all of these, these, I mean, you've taught so much, you've done so much amazing work in the world. You're, you're, I'm in awe of your life story. I didn't, I never quite know what to expect when I'm going to come on with, with a new guest. And, and I just immediately felt at ease with you. And part of me is wondering, well, wow, this is, you know, this is what it's like to be with, to be in the presence of someone who's been meditating and letting, practicing, letting go for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for decades. And perhaps it is also, I'm sure that that's, that your practice, your spiritual practices are reflected in your, in your, just your being. You know, what also occurs to me here too, Peter, is that, you know, I, I work with a lot of men who, who cannot receive the uh, adoration of a woman mm. who cannot receive the the praise or the that I am interesting I am wantable I am lovable mm-hmm. they they you know men that have been for for decades have been unable to really take that in and the fact that you what I'm hearing you share in your story is the the ability to to just be with what the feedback you were getting yeah. I wonder if it it's it speaks to a foundation of like a mindfulness practice, like you said, not putting on airs, being really present to what actually is versus what your brain is would otherwise be telling you. Yes, yes, yeah. And there was something in what you were saying you you were leading to, not a question, but just remind me what you were getting at there. I think there's something more I have to say. I think. You know, I've been studying this concept of surrender mm. and letting go for for a long, long time. Yes. And mindfulness, you know, mindfulness practice, being present with what actually is, I mean, including the stories I'm making up in my brain about what I think is. And I'm, ref- I'm just hearing you share your story of, of your early days in college and how, you know, I, I think there's going to be a lot of people listening. I myself can relate to the story that I'm not lovable. Like mm-hmm. I don't have anything to offer. Right. Especially, especially when I'm 18, 19 years old. Yeah. And, and it was being in that different social context. I was feeling inferior anyway. Right. And then, you know, then realizing I was lovable. And, you know, I had women knocking at my door. It was like, wow. Right. And then, you know, yeah. Been, and, been that way ever since, which has been lovely. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's what's so striking to me about it is that, again, I think, I, I work, I've worked with couples, I've worked with you know men and women, and, and we get so much feedback from the world that we are lovable, that we, we do have value, that people do want us around, mm-hmm. that we, et cetera, et cetera. And yet the mind, when caught in stories, in the story that I am not lovable, mm-hmm. that I am not worthy, that uh, they couldn't possibly want me around, mm-hmm. like all of the feedback, it's like almost, there's just no feedback available from the from the from the world around that will get them over that story right right when they're attached to it yeah. when it's when it's stuck it's interesting because it's you know as you talk i can see there's still you know there's still remnants of it there which i notice in my life um just with just with friends and realizing you mm. know how much people appreciate having me as a friend i mean i have yeah. i have many good friends and i really appreciate them and just just tiny, just little things when people express something, it's like, oh wow, you really feel you really value my friendship in that way. So it's, I notice that when I get that sort of feedback, it's like there's this little bit in me which is like, you know, a little surprised and, and welcoming it. It's lovely, but so there's still that you know that that little bit in there is like, mm. you know, I'm not 
not fully equal to others in some way or other. You know, there's this there's this idea I think in the in the world of 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 transformation, let's say, and transformational teachings and trainings and coaches and and I think even in the in this in the oh I don't know I'll just for for lack of a better word the the spiritual community mm-hmm. that we can overcome certain things and they'll never be around again. Change up we can we can overcome a, a stressful mindset and it'll never will never be confronted with that fear again. I know a very nice illusion. yes delusion yeah sometimes things go but yes it's like how we're shaped is how we're shaped and it's more not getting rid of that but learning how to how to live with it not have it control us run us that sort of thing i think it's part of i mean what you know my own inner meditations mindfulness and and other practices is more sort of learning this is who i am this is this is my stuff this is what shaped me. I often think I have an analogy of trees. I mean, one of my little hobbies is collecting photographs of trees that have grown in the most weird circumstances, like through wrecks of old cars or uh, mm. agricultural equipment or out, out mm-hmm. of rocks in the most unlikely place or through metal fences and how I've incorporated that. Mm. It's like, I just see each tree has the potential on its own to become, you know, a wonderful, whatever it is, oak tree. And yet here is a tree that has mastered something. It's, it's adapted to its environment mm. and it's still a tree. But what I say is like, we don't criticize the tree for, oh my God, that, you know, that tree's awful because it had to grow up in that, you know, had to grow through a tractor, how awful it is. Like, oh dear, poor tree, it needs therapy. It's like, I see that with people. We, we, we grow up in you know i grew up in my family it was it was a nice family i always felt i was treated well you know i didn't think there was any problems and then realizing once oh hang on i could see you know i got into people pleasing in order to please my parents to keep their love it's like okay this is the way this tree has grown but it's not like there's something wrong with me it's like this is who i am and that comes from introspection a lot and just talking to people and, you know, going through some therapy at times and just beginning to understand yeah. myself and seeing, okay, th- this is the tree that is me and it's grown up in this mm. environment and it's become mm. this shape, but it's no mm. criticism. Like this is, this is the tree that is me and how I am in the world. Oh, it's such a beautiful, I suppose, metaphor. I, I, a friend of mine, a few years back, I live in Los Angeles and a friend of mine pointed out there are so many trees in Los Angeles whose root systems have 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 uprooted the pavement, mm-hmm. the concrete, the sidewalk upon which you know the sidewalk that that man attempted to pave over the tree. And there's so many. <laughs> yeah. You know, some of them are like you have to. It's like bouldering. Mm-hmm. You have to boulder across the sidewalk because of the trees' yeah. roots that have that have emerged. And she pointed that out. And and I love. I I you've just taken it to a whole new level for me. Yeah. That's really beautiful. In fact, my photo collection, my sort of name on the file is Trees Rule. Trees Rule. Trees Rule. That's, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's dive a bit into your new book, Letting mm. Go of Nothing. Peter, what does letting go look like for you personally? It's about releasing my attachment to things, which is basically it's about a change of mind. I think we often think letting go is getting rid of something like some uncomfortable feeling or some persistent thought or some desire wanting something 
we think we've got to you know banish it from our consciousness letting go means i'm not going to think about it anymore i'm not going to worry about it i'm not going to feel this feeling whatever it is mm -hmm. and i just realized i think early on that that doesn't work it works to some extent but so often and we're just pushing things to the back of our mind we're not conscious of them and they're you know in a way as i think it's something carl jung realized what it was you know nearly 100 years ago they still control us they're in the back of the mind but they they still are there controlling us so what i do is the opposite and this is what i found so valuable in my life and really became the reason i wanted to write the book is i reframe letting go as letting in and letting be Many people have talked about it as letting be, but I added this thing of letting in, and I find that's really the important bit. So if I, if there's something I want to let go of, say it's some uh, judgment about somebody, I can go to the mind. I mean, that's one way. That's what we often do. I go to the mind and sort of try to deal with my, my mind, what I'm thinking. That's where the judgment often comes from, is something I've been triggered about. But I prefer, first of all, to go to the body, go to the body and notice, you know, okay, What's actually going on in the body here when I when I get caught in this mode to actually, you know, feel feel that sense of judging and then say, okay, what's actually going on? And notice, oh, maybe there's a slight tension here or slight sense of resistance or whatever it is. And just being curious about what's there, being interested, like and I sometimes like ask myself, well, what else haven't I noticed here that's going on with this? And I think the body has so much information that's going on in fact i mean i had a, it happened recently with a couple i know and i was feeling irritated by them and like just getting annoyed and it's actually mm. it affected my sleep one night i woke up in the middle of the night just really pissed off with something about them and the next day i actually you know got in what's going on here and just started feeling it and complete surprise to me what came out of it was oh i'm treating them as my parents uh, you know, it's a couple, mm. and here was a couple, and I sort of put mum and dad sort of projection onto them, and it's like, oh, and then I could see it, I could see where it was coming from and what it was really about, and it wasn't about, you know, something they'd said, it was actually much more, something much deeper, but that came from listening to my body, or rather just tuning into my body, just feeling, what's actually going on here, and that's what I mean by the body often has wisdom there to show us and if we don't tune into the body but go straight to the mind and try to sort things out mentally we miss that and so the first thing for me is always what's going on and just to notice it and not to try to change it that's why and then let it be mm. just to mm. let it in and once you let it in just allow it to be there and just let it be there and then what often tends to happen is there's a softening once i allow it in and stop resisting it it tends to be a softening it tends to be a relaxation that happens and it's beginning to control me less so so that's what it really means for me letting go is like exploring the holding on exploring how it feels to hold on what's going on in the holding on let, letting letting that in and allowing it to be and then curious enough the letting go begins to happen of its own accord and I use I use the analogy of a rock sometimes, like you're holding a small rock in the air in your hand, you're holding a small rock, and you're holding on to it. To let go, I mean, when we let go, we think it's semi-automatic, but what we actually do is, you know, your mind, your brain, you're, you're feeling the tension in your hand, you're feeling the, the grip, and then we let the muscles relax, we let, we let the grip relax, and the rock falls. And I think it's the same with the mind, that you know, the grip 
The grip is in the mind. That's our attachment to something we believe we must have or mustn't have or must change. And so it's when we put our attention into how the mind is gripping, and I say that comes from me, from feeling what's happening in the body, when we feel the grip, we can begin to allow it to relax. And so the letting go happens. It's not so much something I do. It's more that I'm setting up the right sort of mental circumstance, the right mental environment, if you like, in which the letting go can begin to happen of its own accord. Yeah, it, re it reminds me of um, one of the, something confronting a another teacher of mine once said, I imagine you're familiar with Byron Katie. I am, yes. She said, um, if you want to get rid of something, you must first allow it to flourish. Yes. That was incredibly confronting when I first heard it, and I didn't understand it at all. <laughs> and everything in me wanted to reject it. A very similar sentiment. Yes, yes. What I'm hearing from you, and I love your your framing of this, letting let it first, letting it in. Yes, yes, is a way of allowing it to flourish. Allowing exactly, it which is the opposite of what we tend to do, and the opposite of really what our culture sort of encourages. Oh, let just let go of that. You know, don't think about it anymore. Just you know, let let it go. Don't worry. And, you know, I'm suggesting, as is Katie, do the opposite. Instead of trying to get rid of it, find out what's there. Explore. And then let it be. I'm again reminded of another piece of wisdom, uh, another teacher of mine. I, I went, it was a, uh, a, a man who was a mentor of mine. I, I went to him, uh, Bob Duggan. He brought, he was one of them, him and his wife were one of the people that brought acupuncture, Chinese Western or um, uh, five elements acupuncture to the U U.S. back in the 60s. And I remember coming to him saying, I have a problem in my relationship with my new, the woman who's now my wife. This was early in our relationship. And I don't know, I, I maybe described the problem and it's like, it seems there's no way of bridging the gap between us. And I remember he said to me, well, Brian, what if you could just let this so-called problem be a part of the relationship. Mm -hmm. And again, it was revolutionary to me. Yeah. Let it, letting it be. Yes. So when you talk about, I mean, this, you're right. I mean, Peter, this is the, the impulse is, well, why would I let something be that I don't want to be? Right. But there's the value in that. Yes. But it, then that's, yeah. And that's what the, it, it's about. Acceptance. Letting be is about accepting what is not trying to change it. There's very often very little we can do to change it. So it's really about accepting this is what is. And then looking, and I imagine this is what you did, you then begin to explore, okay, well, why am I reacting this way? Why does it trigger me? What is it I don't like about it? What, why is this a problem? So instead of trying to change the problem, which would be you know cha changing your partner in some way or another, it's like, okay, yeah. what's going on? What's being triggered? You know, and, and beginning to explore yeah. that. So that, again, it's like, this is part of the way you've been shaped is you get triggered by whatever it is. You, this is how you're shaped. Then start exploring it. And, and then, then it becomes almost, it can almost get juicy and exciting. It's like, oh, that's what's going on. Okay. And it's, you know, it's all this ongoing process of self-discovery, really. Well, I think that's it entirely. I mean, at that, in, that, in the mindset that I went to my mentor with, how do I get rid of, the, what do I do about this problem? I'm really asking him, how do I, how do I change her? Yes. Or do I need to leave the relationship yes. in order to <laughs> overcome this thing? And I think what he pointed me in the direction of was, well, well, boy, there were so many layers to it. You know, when I, when I was beginning to read your uh, book, 
you know, uh, my first thought is, okay, letting go of nothing, relax your mind. Yeah, great. I've, I've read a million books like this that are, that are, you know, very philosophical and, and Eckhart Tolle wrote the, the forward to your book. And I, you know, his, his book, A New Earth was just, I thought I'd never have to read another book again after Mm -hmm. I read his book, you know, 15 years ago. Boy, was I wrong about that. But I love that as soon as I started reading your book, you immediately brought in a story that happened, uh, I believe it was with your wife. Yes, well, with my partner. We weren't married, but my partner. Yeah, we were living together. Yeah, my, my live-together partner. Yeah, we were long-time relationship, yeah. And I love that. Okay, all right, good. This man is making this real, mm-hmm. what it means to let go. Because I think, you know, it's easy as a single man, for me anyway, it's been easy as a single man operating in a one-person system. Sure, I can let go of stuff all the time. I just... I just leave it. Yeah. I just don't go back to it. I just don't pick up the phone to that person. Or I, I mean, you know, obviously it's a very perhaps adolescent way of practicing letting go. But how do I, again, let's, let's take it into the realm of, uh, of intimate relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me, um, I'm probably easy to go sort of go over that story that I start the book with. Sure. Which please. was, there was something something that triggered both of us and we were sort of feeling it was one of those you know upsets that happens in any relationship it wasn't it wasn't something major um but like we we're just a bit we're both feeling a bit annoyed with the other person and um it had been going on for a couple of days and i i told myself you know it doesn't really matter it's not that important it's going to blow over just you know to let it go in the traditional sense of letting it go like not think about it anymore and there was a time and I was working um, in my office and, and she was sort of in the bedroom, keeping herself in her own space because she just wanted to be, you know, with herself and not be, you know, same space as me, that sort of thing. And yeah. it's, it just this idea came to me. It's like I'd realized sort of understanding that what it's really about is how we see things, that where we get stuck is we get stuck in a certain way of seeing things. So I just posed the question, and it's something I've used a lot in my life since then, just as a very open question is like, could there possibly be, who knows, another way of seeing this situation? Not trying to look for an answer. What I find valuable about this is like, I'm opening up for my own inner knowing to reveal itself. And so I just posed the question, you know, could there perhaps be, you know, another way of seeing this? And it was almost instant. It took me completely by surprise. It's just like, my whole way of seeing the situation just shifted. The old way just collapsed. And it was like, here is another human being struggling her, through life in her own way. Well, not struggling, but, you know, navigating her life, dealing with me and my stuff. And it's like, what? it was just instant compassion. It's like, oh. And I just instantly felt at ease. And the whole thing just, just dissolved. It's like, of course. And it's like, why hadn't I seen this before? You know, I say to you, the listeners will probably think, well, that's so obvious, you know, it's so obvious that that is true. But mm-hmm. I was so stuck in what I was seeing and how she got to change. And she was probably thinking how I'd got to change. You know, I couldn't see it. And when I saw it, it was like, oh, this incredible sense of relief. And then from that, I could see what the course of action was, uh, which was actually very simple, just like, going knocking on the door and saying hey you know you just can we just talk about this etc and, and it was you know it was all over so i you know as i say in the book i i've been out of love for two days and then suddenly i was mm. love had returned and so this is a question i keep with me in life it's just whenever there's some some difficulty something that's not resolved or some whatever it is some challenge various different things just to pause and just 
and just to ask that question, you know, could there be another way of seeing this? And without trying to find an answer, because if I try to find an answer, my mind gets engaged. Oh, maybe I could do this, maybe I could do that. It's more just posing the question and waiting. And I find probably 50% of the time, nothing happens. Okay, the other 50% where it does happen, it's well, you know, I say take the attitude, it's well worth asking, even if sometimes nothing comes, but the 50% when something does shift, it's like it's really, really valuable and can be, can be life-changing or definitely situation changing. Well, it sounds like also that's a question and a practice that could be society changing given the painful divisions we are all witness to, if not participating in, um, certainly in the United States, and it just seems a global phenomenon at the moment. What with the pandemic and climate change and why is it, and I'll own this for myself, because it's it can be really scary sometimes for me to consider another way of seeing something. Mm-hmm. Why isn't that easier, Peter? Why is it so scary for me? You know, this will come up even with my wife quite frequently. We 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 live in very different worlds. Her and I, we have different experiences of safety. What it, what it means to feel safe, mm-hmm. just walking around in the streets, uh, of of uh, you know different different ideas about privacy. Mm-hmm or as I think you might say, privacy. Yeah. Uh, so we just live in very different worlds. And at times we can, you know, we're both very, you know, we're, we have strong, we're strong-willed people. And at times we can root, and I certainly do it, you know, with a passion, root in my worldview of things. And when all that's required, that would bridge the gap between us is for just me to sit in that question. And yeah. sometimes she'll even just be imploring me Mm-hmm. to see it her way yeah and what is that peter what is it in me that resists that i think it, it's it's what i call the ego mind i don't think there's such a thing as an ego but it's, it's a way of thinking we get caught in which is trying to keep us safe and secure it's trying to look after us so it's a way of thinking it's trying to look after us and and it gets very fixed it, like this is what is right this this is what is needed and and in its natural form, it's there to, to help us survive. And it needs to be insistent. You know, if there's some real physical danger, this voice needs to be insistent. You've got to do this. You know, there's, there's a truck coming at you. You need to run. And then it gets put over into all these other different social situations. And it, it gets insistent. It gets locked in. Like, mm-hmm. this voice needs to know what is right. And so that's where the attachment comes from. We get attached. Like, this is what... I need to happen in order for me to be happy. That, that, yeah. That's the essence of it. I need the world yeah. to change or, or I need to get this, whatever it is. Something mm. needs to happen in order for me to be happy. And the irony is being stuck in that way of thinking is actually making you unhappy. If you could just let, that's a fact. If you could just let go of that way of thinking, you'd, be, you'd feel okay. And yet we're so caught in you know, how can I be happy in the future? We stop ourselves being happy in the present moment. We just hold on. So yeah. that's where that's where the basis of the attachment comes from. And it's like we're attached to what we think will make us happy. I mean, two questions I found useful, which just help release that in some way, is you know, if there's something I feel I must have or whatever, like, like that, or have a person be a certain way, it's like the first question is, you know, if I got that, would I really be happy? 
And the answer usually is, well, maybe, maybe for a bit, but you know, maybe not. And the second, that's just disidentifying with that holding on. Yeah. And then the second part of the question is, if I don't get that, can I still be happy? And the answer is always, well, yes. Mm. So it's about breaking breaking that attachment to things. That, that's that's what I find is a useful way. And and again, another this question of another way of seeing things. It's not about trying to see things her way, which is just setting up a sort of, you know, whatever you call it. So it's it's a win lose game sort of thing. It's more yeah. not about seeing things her way. It's more about is there another way of seeing this situation? That's what it's about. It's not another way of seeing her, but okay, so you, she's seeing it one way, you're not seeing it her way. So the question would be much more, you know, dropping back into myself. Okay, is there another way of seeing this situation rather than seeing there's a conflict I've got to resolve and all this stuff is just like, just dropping in and saying, is there another way of seeing this? And, and seeing seeing what emerges as that is like, so you're, you're sort of looking for another way of seeing the whole thing rather than that, that particular issue. You know, we're, and we're talking about the, just in this example, the complexities between two people. But we, we started this conversation, uh, you know, I asked you about the fires up there in, in Northern California. And I mean, I'm, I'm in Southern California and we've been lucky this year, but, you know, last, the last couple of yeah. years, we've had some pretty nasty experiences. And how does one practice letting go when it seems like the stakes are so high right now? The, you, you, back in your in your epic work from from the '80s, the Global Brain, you proclaimed that we were on the verge of a major leap in evolution, and that the essence of this evolution was an inner spiritual evolution. Mm-hmm. And you you suggested also that it's it's only through a shift in consciousness that we'll be able to successfully manage the global crisis crisis now facing us that was back in the 80s yeah. yes i mean fast forward 20 40 years it's only gotten worse yes and it has the situation has got more dire but also i think you know there's many many more people recognizing that it is only through a shift in consciousness yeah. that we will resolve this so when i was saying that you know 40 years ago god 40 years ago yeah. it was like <laughs> Yeah. Not quite revolutionary, but it was like it wasn't. It was like people say, "Oh yes, 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 of course." But like it hadn't become a mainstream thought. I think now that's a much more mainstream thought. I mean, I see that quotation yeah. from Einstein that actually is often misquoted. But I mean, the, the mis—I forget the actual quote. But the misquote is, you know, a problem cannot be solved from the same state of consciousness that created it. And you know, just seeing that quote, the versions of it, just so many times people are passing that around, just shows how that realization that the shift in consciousness is is what is needed and you know in the end that has to come from everybody i i cannot change your consciousness i mean i may be able to persuade you of something and change your thinking perhaps or behavior but you know that deep change in consciousness is something that only happen, happens to an individual and to each individual so when we say that change only through a change of consciousness what I see a lot of people saying is, oh, they have got to change. They have got to wake up. They have got to change their consciousness. It's like, no, no, no. I am one of them. I, I am a they to somebody else. So I have to, how do I wake up? How do I free my own consciousness from my fixed patterns of thinking or my reactions, emotional reactions? So it's like taking responsibility for that in oneself and 
encouraging others. And that's what I try to do in my writing and this mm. book and in my, you know, my other stuff is always at the back of it is how can I help facilitate, encourage other people in this process of them doing it for themselves. So yes, it is only through a change of consciousness, but it is only through each, each of us taking that task on and encouraging the collective to do it. You know, I'm, I'm in a few different, so I'm in a men's group of, of men that, oh, I don't know, I just, it's my peer, my peer men's group. And then I, I run men's groups as well for other men um, who don't have, who don't have access to that or just want to be a part of something I'm creating. But anyway, the point is I've noticed something interesting and particularly in my, in my men's group that, for example, this whole pandemic and the, the vaccine, the anti-vaccine, whatever. And we, in this, in this one group, I mean, I, I have, you know, men in this group, there's 13 of us, you know, we're, we're five black men, I think five or six white men and, and an Asian man and you know, beautiful diversity in this group. And we have form, we have a former police officer, former military. Well, I'm, I'm former military. We have a former combat veteran. We have, you know, uh, a former uh, a drug dealer from the streets of Detroit who is now a musician and a, and a beautiful uh, heart warrior. And I mean, just, we just have an amazing group of men in this, in this group. And, oh, we have a, there's a, there's a, we have an, uh, an A-list uh, actor in this group as well. Who's, who's transitioning f- more from acting into, into environmental activism. And it's a really an incredible group of guys. And one thing we've had to do in this group is is some, some sort of oh I'll just say some 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 we've had to do a little bit of battle Peter mm-hmm. around around this whole pandemic question and the pro vaccine anti vaccine mm-hmm. all mask mandates all of this we've had to do a lot of battle with each other respectfully always respectful battle but which which I think is an invaluable learning how to do this you know, to yeah. have these kind of conversations, but something really interesting, I think has, has, has allowed by doing this in a, in a safe and respectful way with each other for months, we've come to this place of, of surrender mm. in a way, because not one of us has convinced someone else to think different. Right. Right. <laughs> not one there's been no conversions from one side to the other. <laughs> and all these these months right, of battle right. and, and that is a learning in itself i think i've learned that as well you cannot convert people no but you can hear no. them you can hear them yeah you because know, the question i'm kind of leading to is you know there there are days peter where i i feel this fear of impending doom mm-hmm. where i i believe the work that i'm up to i mean your book you've been doing so much work over the years you know, we're, we're doing work that I believe serves uh, on some level, the shifting of humanity's consciousness, mm-hmm. this, this, this evolution that is needed. And, you know, the, the story that I'm living inside of, as I read the news and I watch the weather channel and the things they're sharing and, and that, wow, we're, we're, seems like humanity is just intent. We're just, we're compelled to, to sabotage to self-immolation mm. and there's great 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 crises coming 
again, in my, in my, in my kind of tiny little men's group experience, it's like, okay, well, I, I've gotten to a place of just surrender and willingness for, for this to all be as it is for these men to, th- for the men that, 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 who, who I think think dangerous thoughts and are taking maybe even dangerous actions. But I, I love these men. We're connected at the heart. Mm-hmm. These are my brothers. Mm-hmm. I die for them and they for me. And so there's a, you know, because we've done respectful conflict around this and we've we've worked through it, we're I think we're all at a place of surrender and willingness for each other to be where we're at and for this to just, okay, life's gonna play this out. Yeah. That's just among the 13 of us. Mm-hmm. But when I, you know, my wife and I are wanting to have a child and I think about we'll play this out on a on the global scale. Mm. And how does one practice letting go in the face of what the calamity it seems we are hurtling right, towards. Right, right, right. There's a way in which um, the letting go or acceptance is often, I think, misunderstood. Like, it's it's not about accepting the accepting the situation. Like, you know, take you know, climate change. You know, probably the one that's you know really up front for a lot of people. And you've mentioned it. Yes, it's not about saying, okay, I'm just going to accept climate change is going to happen. It's not about, there's, you know, so much we may be, we can do ourselves. We may want to encourage other people to do. So much can be done. And some of it is way, way beyond our powers of influence. So it's not about accepting the situation. It's about accepting our experience of the situation, which is, which is very different. And so if that makes me feel fearful, scared, if it makes me feel frustrated or just sad, it's accepting accepting the experience in the moment. And, and that's what accepting our experience means. It's like accepting how I'm feeling and, and not, not trying to change that, Accept, accepting that. And I think when we do that and we stop getting so wound up about things, but just begin to accept our experience and not so frustrated, oh, I wish so-and-so would do this and it's the, all the fault of whatever it is, then I think we are in a stronger position to actually know what is the best, most appropriate, most effective course of action that we can take. So it's really about freeing ourselves from the reactions we have that actually hold us back and in a way veil our inner knowing. I think we have, as I said before, so much inner knowing about what is appropriate in a situation. But that's veiled by when we get caught up in some thought train or some indignation or something. So it's more about the more we can settle that out and settle the mind, I think the the more powerfully we can actually come out and, and act in the world. You know, I, I, I'm aware that Peter, through in a lot of my work over the years, even with 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 great intention for the for the outcome I'm I'm pursuing, I've done my work with a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've pursued outcomes with a lot of anxiety from with a lot of fear, and I'm fairly confident that that has negatively affected the actual outcome, mm-hmm. and the and well certainly negatively affected the experience going through it. Mm-hmm. You know, the journey towards whatever destination I thought I wanted to get at. And what I'm hearing, what I think I'm hearing you say is that this, this practice of letting go is not about necessarily 
just accepting, you know, sitting on the couch and eating potato chips while uh, the forests around me burns, while the world burns. But it's about letting in even my fear, even the the sense of doom, yeah, the the sadness, the you know, the grieving. Right, letting it in, and as we were saying earlier, just letting it in and coming back to the body. It's not just say, oh, I'm feeling fear, but like, okay, what's actually going on in the body? Because that's when we can begin to not so much change it, but it begins to, we lessen the grip it has on us. And that's where the attachment comes, the grip that some thought system or reaction is having on us. And so, you know, as I say, saying, the more we can become aware of that, the grip, how it's affecting us, then the easier it becomes to let that begin to relax. And the fear is, you know, the things we're talking about, the fear is, is a very real concern. It's maybe more anxiety than fear. I mean, I think we often say things of fear and we put everything under the label fear. I think fear is much more something that happens when there's a life-threatening situation. A lot of what we call fear is is anxiety that you mentioned. It's like mm-hmm. concern yeah. about what might happen. And it, it, it's anxiety more than actual fear. Fear is a very physical reaction, which is like, get the hell out of here as fast as possible. Yeah. That's fear. But what people call fear is more is more an anxiety. And I, th- I think that's important because if we if we sort of just label it as fear, we think we know what it's about. But if we say, no, hang on, it may be not fear, but what's really going on. I say anxiety for somebody else, you know, it may be something different that's going on. But just like begin to explore what's going on. Th- I think this is so important. And so it's letting go, letting go of our attachment to how things, how we think things should be in order to put things right. That's so much part of it. Mm. So that's where the letting mm. go is. It's not letting go of the world or letting go of the situation. There's so much yeah. we need to do and a call to do. It's really about finding a more solid, grounded place in ourself for which to come out into the world. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Um, I, you know, being married to my wife, uh, she's 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 very in touch with her her witchy powers. Mm-hmm which I love. I say that with a great compliment. And I know that I've, I've witnessed, I saw this in my, my stepmother as well, who was very much a mystic. Um, and, and these times when I could, you know, really let go of my certainty that I know how things are supposed to go. And I can allow myself to even be influenced by my wife, for example, mm-hmm. or by, you know, but just by life. I mean, really it's a metaphor by of, of just life that or that that wow solutions emerge and and I find a way of showing up of taking action that I had no wasn't even accessible to me in my way of thinking yeah it's the more we can as I say it's more, the more we can let go of what's holding us what's veiling what we know then we're just we're just allowing that to to shine through more into our lives so we're, we're getting more guidance from ourselves we're getting you know we're getting guidance from ourselves rather than from the ego mind which is you know caught up in its its own beliefs about what's necessary and we all know we all know this deep deep down we all know i mean we're so i think in our culture we are hypnotized really from birth onwards into what i call this materialist mindset which is the belief that i mentioned before in, in order to be happy you know, you know, you've got to have things in the world be the right way. 
we act, we live that way. Our culture is founded on that. Just about every advertisement you ever see or hear is saying, you can't be happy with things as they are. You lack something, yeah. you miss something, yeah. get this, whatever it is, this product, service, whatever it is, and you will feel better. That's the hypnosis. And it, all of our culture is supporting this hypnosis the whole time. And yet, you know, underneath, you know, I'm sure, you know, we're talking about this now, and people will be saying to themselves, yes, I know this isn't really true. You know, I, I, I know it inside. And there was a very interesting experiment done with hypnosis. Oh, it was about probably 50 years ago now at Stanford, where they placed, they hypnotized a person and put their arm in a bucket of ice cold water, but told them the water was just, you know, room temperature, nothing. Mm. And mm. so there they were, with their arm in ice cold water, but but being told on hypnosis that it was room temperature. And they asked them, you know, how does it feel? It, does it hurt? And ice cold water is painful after a short while. No, no, mm. you're feeling comfortable. Yes, you know, any distress? No, <laughs> no, no. You, know, you think, wow, yeah. hypnosis is so powerful, you know, amazing. And then they gave the person a pencil and paper and said, without looking, just allow your other hand to start writing whatever it wants to write. And it was saying, ouch, it hurts, stop the experiment. And it's like it shows that you know the hypnosis is only skin deep, <laughs> literally in this case. But right. but it, you know, we behave according to the hypnosis. It was behaving exactly like the experimenters wanted. They were saying, no, it's fine, no problem. But deep down, it was hurting, and they wanted the experiment to stop. And I think it's the same with us in our culture. We are just hypnotized the whole time to thinking if I just get this, have this, whatever it is, change the world, get my wife to be the way I think she should be, I will be happy. And it's realizing, you know, come back to those two questions I was asking you earlier. It's like, hang on, you know, we all know deep inside that, you know, I can still be happy even without having the world having to change the way I want it to be. That happiness, we, we know deep inside that happiness doesn't come only from what we, I mean, it does come, you know, from what we have and do does bring certain levels of contentment and satisfaction, yes. But deep down, we also know that isn't the only way that, you know, yeah. there's a deeper there's a deeper truth and we know that's in a way what you know a, a lot of the you say you know the wise the wise people the mystics you know people have discovered often you know i think as you know we look to the elders of our society and one of the things we you know if you ask you know what is an elder like what is a wise person like you know they typically say well they've you know they've learned that money isn't so important that love is important these sorts of things and it's like They've learned what we all know, what we all know deep down yeah. is true. Yeah, fact, 100%. One of the great gifts of my life has been getting everything I thought I ever wanted and it not working. Yes, that's where a lot yeah. of people, and that then becomes the, the trigger, when I say the trigger, but the motivation to start exploring inwardly. It's like, okay, and that's what, for a lot of people, that's what leads them to begin to look into other ways meditation or whatever or di different yeah different approaches to life it's that shift you realizing yeah. i have all this and i'm still not happy it's like okay yeah okay <laughs> all right there's something else that, something else i need to be working with here two more questions for you and then we'll, we'll wrap up with with three key takeaways but the first question as i was thinking about my conversation with you and and again i'm i'm always i i love i love philosophy and you know, spiritual exploration and but you know in this day and age it's a particularly important that we learn how to to bring our spirituality into our everyday living 
with our everyday lives and our practices and because the, the stakes are high right now. I mean, I suppose they always have been, and maybe that's just the story I'm telling. But anyway, here's my question, Peter. If you were the president of the United States right now, how would you... I'd resign. Ah! <laughs> not, no. You're not allowed to resign. Okay. There's, it's got to be you. Yeah, okay. How would you do your job and practice letting go? <sighs> just, just a small question. Yeah, just a small question, I think. Firstly, is carving out time for myself, time to just to be quiet, we call it meditation, contemplation, resting, whatever it is. I think, you know, that position, you get so overworked that you lose mm. a sense of clarity and you're so everybody's coming at you with different things. So I think that's the first thing I would do is make sure I am carving out time for myself. Then I think, you know, there's a, there's a golden rule in all the spiritual traditions, which is you know, treat others as you would like to be treated. It's what I call the principle of kindness, is recognizing mm. deep down we all want the same. And so trying to, wherever possible, avoiding attacking other people, even in my mind, just like seeing we're all here. Ultimately, Ultimately, I believe everybody is doing the best they can within their own circumstances. You know, that tree is doing the best it can. We are all doing the best we can. And so not to be, not to be critical or attacking of others, but just in, in a way, in a way, it's, it's, it's a form of love, really. It's just like caring for others, how, how they feel, etc. So trying try to do that. So that in, in any interaction or in any bigger picture, you know, whatever it is, press conference or decision-making or laws, just thinking through how can I do this in a way that people feel appreciated and loved rather than attacked, trying to hold that as a principle. I mean, in that, in that situation, it would be quite challenging, but to have that as my yeah. intention. That's a beautiful answer. I would agree we would all be served uh, by, by leadership who adopted and practiced those These solutions are complicated and and I, I learned a long time ago through my master's degree program that that uh, I was studying human human relations I learned that that every solution just brings a whole new set of problems yes that is so true in history as well yeah <laughs> and that, that was that was very revealing yeah. for me that was you know I was in the military at the time and so I think it's at this point it's like it's less about maybe it's never been about but sh you know shoving solutions down people's throats and more about 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 coming together mm -hmm. and and um you know there, there's this show ted lasso have you seen this show i haven't i keep hearing about it and people are loving it i watched the trailer to it, it looks interesting but i haven't watched it yet no peter i thought it would be ridiculous honestly i watched the first episode months ago and i was like yeah i don't know it looks a little silly but i've been watching it more and I bawled my eyes out uh, just like on episode eight of season one the other night because, you know, this man, uh, what he's modeling is is a is a leadership, a human centered, people first leadership as the as the coach of a professional mm -hmm. soccer team um, that is just when the entire world around him is wanting to chew him up and spit him out mm. and, 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 you know, just treating him horribly. He just maintains this, this center and this, 
It's uh, I think I get so teary eyed watching it because I'm I, I I'm lamenting the lack of that in the world today, at least mm. the lack of my exposure to it. And so, you know, just to hear you answer that question yeah. is again is very touching. Yeah. Thank you. So watch it is what I'm okay, telling you. Yep. I think you'll I think you'll really enjoy it. Yeah. And I what you the little bit you just told me helps me, you know, I realize why people why it's getting so much recognition and appreciation. Yeah. Okay, last question, then we'll wrap up with the three key takeaways. Uh, what, what, Peter, do you think is the biggest challenge facing men today, and what wisdom could you offer in the face of it? You mean men, men as a gender rather than mankind, humankind? I do, I do mean, I do mean that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I get that. Yeah, I'm, I'm just yeah. It's interesting. What comes up is to be more respectful of our intuition. I think we we hmm. all have you know, source, it's what I call inner knowing and intuition. And sometimes it's quite, you know, weird stuff. You like, you just feel this impulse to do something which doesn't make sense. I've always, always respected that in my life. And I know it's often led to new things, opportunities or ways to solve problems, but, but to respect the intuition, I think it's there. But I think with men, I think women are better at this. But I think with men, it's partly to do with wanting to be in control of things and wanting to be right and you know be be the masters of situations i think we cut ourselves off a lot from our just our inner knowing it doesn't mean to say you've got to you know follow every silly idea that comes to mind but just you know to give it a voice to, to listen to it and and by intuition it's more it comes to me as like it's almost like an inner urge to do something or follow something or think about something or sometimes just to sit still but it's like it's noticing what that inner what that inner urge is is saying is urging me to do and and giving it space if, if it feels you know often I think oh no that, that's silly but then I'll do it and it's like oh I'm glad I did that for some reason or other beautiful thank you well Peter I have really enjoyed our this this exploration with you i know we are we are just tap dancing on uh, on the tip of the iceberg and i'm excited to uh, recommend your book to people letting go of nothing i one of the things that i loved about it it was there was a lot of just it was very simple i mean it was deep and profound but it's 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 a book that has a lot of very simple access points to practicing mm-hmm. letting go it makes it very practical and and very simple. And before we we conclude, I'd love to wrap up with three key takeaways from our conversation today. We've covered we've covered a lot of ground, and so I'd I'd like to ask you what are what are three key takeaways that you would like our listeners or invite our listeners to really take from this conversation? Right. I think the first one would always be what we talked about: letting in and letting be but the letting in is important rather than thinking of letting go as not getting rid of something but allowing in the experience of the holding on and going to the body and just being curious what's happening in the body so i think that to me is is a very important thing the second is what i was talking about is is there just asking that question is there another way of seeing things just just posing that question without looking for an answer. That's what's really important. You pose the question and wait and see if another way of seeing things appears. But it's not about 
trying, it's not about trying to find another way of seeing things, but just posing that question. It gets us out of the ego mind's way of, way of seeing things. Mm -hmm. ah. The third, I think, is just recognizing that deep down, deep down, we all want the same. We may have conflicting ways in which we want it, but deep down, we all want the same, which is in the final analysis, it's about we all want to be content, to be happy, to feel okay. None of us want to be in pain or suffering. And so to hold that in any interaction with others, to hold that, how can I say this, do this, whatever it is, in such a way that the other person feels good, they feel loved, they feel appreciated, rather than feeling attacked. Beautiful. Thank you, Peter. Where can people learn more about you and especially get your new book? Right. We can get my new book at any good bookstore or online bookstores. It should be everywhere by now. Um, there was a little hold up with uh, all the distribution delays. Um, mm -hmm. My website mm -hmm. is where it is the primary place people to go. I mean, I've got a YouTube channel, but my website links through to most of the videos there. PeterRussell.com with two hours on the Russell. Otherwise you get on some typo squatter who's trying to sell you my book. So PeterRussell.com with two hours on the Russell. And that's a website I've been there for years. Um, it's got, I think, over 400 pages now, various writings, several of my books are up there, the full text, lots of videos, there's meditations there, there's online courses. That's the place to go. I think you can find almost anything you want to know about me. You can probably track down through my website there. Peter, it's been an absolute pleasure and, and an honor to have you here today again. Thank you for coming on Men This Way. Thank you. I, I've really enjoyed being with you here. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Peter Russell. Find Peter Russell with two L's at the end, two S's and two L's, at peterrussell.com. Of course, this link and other essential info about this podcast will be in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash menthiswaypodcast. And there's that airplane again, <laughs> inviting me once again to <sighs> let it in and let it be. And remember, men, Elevate 2022, a year-long coaching experience for men committed to thriving in every domain of their lives is now open for applications. And if you're a woman listening to this and you know a man who would be served by, by this experience, please pass the information on to him. Thank you. Simply go to brianreeves.com slash elevate for details and to apply. Only 12 men will be invited on this journey with me. Brian Reeves, it's Brian with a Y, R-E-E-V-E-S dot com slash elevate. Finally, if you were served by this and think others should hear it too, share this episode and definitely, definitely write a review. Your words help lead more men this way. Um, please don't underestimate the power of your words to persuade and influence others to uh, take action on their own life journey. And of course, don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.